Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed Ed, Mike, and myself, Steve, one of which Ed's has a birthday today. Up to him if he wants to identify himself. But happy birthday, Ed. We don't have to embarrass anybody. <laughs> it's not me. I, am, I embarrass myself enough on this podcast. So. It's, it's not you, Ed, and boy, you made that easy, didn't you? Um. I guess the biggest one of the biggest stories is still Israel Hamas. If you want to do that one first and then move on to gag orders and <laughs> speakers, that's a good a good segue from a gag order to a speaker, I guess. I just I just hate the fact that you you pronounce Hamas correctly. I I, I it's it offend it offends my American uh sensibility. Mm. It's interesting gag. because I think the Arabs are more like Hamas. They do more oh, really? than an uh-huh. So, man, um, and I'm um, authentic we, Israeli, but not Arab. But I feel like uh, just when it was Kiev and Kiev, we couldn't figure it all out. Uh, yeah, right. Well, it's like a different Hezbollah <laughs> and Hezbollah and Hezbollah. But whatever. We all have our talents. Ed, mine is I can say an Israeli, but I can't say a French or any other. So we, I, I've I've had my um, my uvula surgically removed just so that I cannot pronounce Hebrew at all. So um, that was the reason you had it removed, huh? Absolutely. Yes. Is I did not want to be able to pronounce Arabic or Hebrew. That was the whole reason. Here is my bad accent. I could have blamed it on that. Anyway, it seems that the hospital myth has been um, debunked. Is that what you guys are getting? What's the latest you've heard? I, I've heard all sorts of things, honestly. I, I don't know what to think. I could think the U.S. said today that they believed it was a, uh, a rocket from uh, a different splinter group um, that, that landed in the hospital. But, of course, these rockets, they, they throw grenades. So it's, a, it's, a, it's essentially a grenade packed with, like, ball bearings and that ain't killing 500 people or 50 people or it, you know it, it'd be lucky if it killed five people so the the only way it could have done the giant explosions that we've been seeing on the videos is if it, it landed in an ammo dump and, and took the whole ammo out and there was some pictures of a car park where it, they said it, it landed and there were a bunch of damaged cars but the hospital wasn't damaged I, I don't know. I, the last I, I'm I, hearing, I don't even know how to know. The last I'm hearing is the hospital never blew up, period. The whole thing is a lie. It broke some windows. It landed in a parking lot. Could not have done damage. Didn't do the damage. Mm-hmm. Was it 500 dead? Was it 900 dead? The whole thing was a hoax. And yeah. that's really sad if that's true, that so many people went for it, knowing full well that they often stage all kinds of stuff totally. Right. And, and because of that, there was an insurrection today in the U.S. Capitol. Yes, um, I hope you were not in any way involved in that. I don't want to see you no. in the middle of the show by heavily armed police. I assume they're rounding up people as we speak. Yeah, we know going well, in and interfering with the business. What's that, Ed? You know what they say about assuming. Yes, I do. I do. I'm an expert in all facets. But yeah, so assuming it never happened... Um, which is my current understanding. At least Biden didn't stick his foot too far down his mouth. He just said the other team did it, whatever the it was. I'm not following the last couple hours of Biden's visit. First of all, 
what is your uh, educated take on why he went to Israel, Mike? But but you have to clarify who Biden meant by the other team because I'm not really sure about. Well, he may not have been sure, but he good question, not, Mike. Not Israel, but <laughs> why do you think he went to Israel, Mike? Uh, he he's a hero, isn't he? Is, isn't that the whole idea? That's what they may want you to think. Is that what you think? Well, obviously not. It's all it's propaganda, like so much of what we're going to hear right now with what's going on. Right? When's I the last so. time a president went to an active war zone where he could easily be hit by rockets? Not often enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think Biden I mean, went to Bush, Israel for the same Bush reason. Went, Bush went where? To Iraq, right? To Iraq. Yeah, Mission and, accomplished? And Afghanistan. And Afghanistan. Yeah. No, I mean, near the end, you know, like Thanksgiving yeah. dinner, he would do that. You know, they, they do that. Presidents do that. They, I think they're very careful where, where they go, when they go. And I'm intent to incline... I'm inclined to go with Bongino that had he not had some reason to believe he's not going to be attacked, he wouldn't have gone, especially after Blinken had to go to a shelter, how, after Chuck Schumer had to go to a shelter. I mean, there's actively right, um, rockets being fired everywhere at random. I can't believe they would have let him go. I think Biden went to Israel for the same reason those aircraft carriers are going towards Israel, and that was to warn the Israelis, don't go too far. Well, I think it was the exact opposite. I, I think it was to warn Hezbollah not to attack, um, because I, you know, Israel is in is in a very precarious state right now. They could be on have a three front war, and I think he yeah. Went to, and the Democrat Party is the party of Jew haters. I think Biden and 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 honestly, if you look back at all the wars that have happened between Israel and and the Arabs, the way the wars always start is the Arabs do a, a surprise attack. The Israelis get caught off guard, takes a couple days to a week, and the Israelis start routing them. And then the Americans put pressure on the Israelis to back off. That's that's the history of every war in that area. And that's what I think is happening right now. I mean, I'm pretty well, convinced he went there to A, stall, and B, put pressure on Israel. Um, and I haven't had an incredible amount of time to listen to Israeli news in the last two hours. And then when I did, they really weren't addressing it, whether or not they think he put a lot of pressure, um, what they should do about it if he's putting a lot of pressure. And Israel, like every other place, depending on the station you turn on, you get a totally different perspective. But I, I'm not betting on Israel making a ground, a ground invasion at all. And I think Biden was there to tell them, be careful, we're looking at you. Um, I don't know if they'll listen to that. I know that there's some kind of story that the water is back on in southern Gaza, but somebody denies it. Somebody says yes. I know there's stories humanitarian aid can go through, but some people are denying that or saying it can only go through one way. But I fear that he's putting pressure on Israel. And if America puts pressure on Israel, there's really no good way things can end. If they listen, it's not good. And if they don't listen, it's not good. Uh, that's coming from the Israeli viewpoint. And that's why I think Biden is there. Yeah, th that's my my cynical understanding. Why is there? He's definitely not there to show support because watching him hug Netanyahu after he dissed him for mm -hmm. so long, it just it doesn't have a lot of believability to me. 
Oh, he hates Netanyahu. That's clear. But that doesn't mean that they don't support Israel. I mean, you know, that's the thing with uh, uh, support for Israel uh, in times like this is 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 wow. overwhelmingly bipartisan. I mean, yeah, sure, we have the AOCs and the Rashida Tlaibs and the Democratic Party, but I mean, of the 435 members of the House of Representatives, I, I imagine 420 of them support Israel. Right. And, and why don't 420 of them, why aren't 420 of them calling an insurrection today? <sighs> they don't. The Democrats do no. not support Israel. I don't think that's a fair characterization. Yeah, I, I was going to say that it used that, to be long time that constitu- ago. Yeah, right. And that constituency is certainly. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, in the like the 16, I think that was the last time I looked half the money to the Democrats came from um, individual Jewish donors or Jewish groups. And a quarter of the money to Republicans came from individual Jewish donors. Yes, or Jewish, Jewish but, donors don't support Israel, Ed. Uh, but of course they do. I mean, uh, you know, from from Sheldon Adelson to uh, Adelson, I, I well, he's not around anymore, as far as I know. No, no, his, his and widow is around. I think the overwhelming amount of Jewish money, of which there is plenty, is on the left, even regarding Israel and hates Netanyahu, would have destroyed him during the whole judicial business over there. So, yes, they give money to Democrats, but they also are not pro-Israel, at least not pro-right-wing Israel. So, well, well, they're certainly not pro-Netanyahu because he uh, he gets under their skin for a lot of different reasons. Um, but, I mean, I am pro-United Kingdom, even though I loathe the current United Kingdom government or, you know, I, so it's 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 different, I guess. I mean, the, the the most of the Jewish money, yes, they will get together and support Israel during the war. But as soon as Israel becomes too offensive and hurts too many people, they will be very, very strongly putting pressure on Israel to back off. They're pro a rock Israel. Israel backs off by themselves anyway. I mean, they get tremendous pressure and from within the government, but the government. It comes from within the government because it comes from the outside. You know, Europe is against and all the NGOs are against. I, I mean, what's, I, I re- what's really that, the solution? I'm sorry. I, I also then, think I there's, to... uh, um, there, there's pushback from the military. As I said before, this is not a cakewalk. This is a, they don't have enough uh, so you know, guys with guns to do this job. Everything I can tell is the military's morale is phenomenally high right now. So I don't think the pushbacks from the military, even if possibly from the upper echelons. Yeah, from the generals. The, but the generals are a bunch of leftists in Israel. The generals in Israel are horrific, which is part of how they got themselves into this mess in the beginning, probably. Well, so I, like my question now is what what really is the goal here uh, if you're Israel? What's the goal? Yeah, what's the end? Of, what are they actually going to try to do is a totally different question. Yeah, I mean, what is yeah, the, I understand what that, is but the what I'm there's 200, 2.5 million people in, in Gaza and, you know, maybe 100,000 of them are actively Hezbollah. I mean, do you want like those 100,000 dead and the 2.4 like living there some more in what is essentially a, a place you can't get into out of, you know, it, it's I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, that's what it's I'm saying. The same like, solution uh, that there was in Germany. What was the solution in Germany? That would be the final solution. 
No, I mean, <laughs> the solution was to absolutely level it. And they would have leveled it whether or not they had a plan to rebuild it. So the solution is stop what's going on. Now, I heard somebody say they should temporarily occupy it and find some other third party to administer it, whether UN or something. Because unfortunately, when they gave it back to the PLO, Hamas stole it from the PLO. They would give it to the PLO tomorrow, probably. So, As I understand it, there's this uh, quotation from Netanyahu uh, out on the internet where he was like, Hamas is so crazy that they would never let them run uh, a country, a state. And so, um, you know, we like Hamas being in charge of Gaza because it provides uh, a useful alternative to the Palestinian Authority, PLO. Uh, right. there, there's I think this I shared culture. those articles, and those are really interesting yeah. theories. Um, as cynical as I am, there is some credence to that. I, I don't doubt it. Netanyahu is a very, very smart person. And I'm not sure I like that reasoning, but it could be true. Um, but right now, he needs a really good excuse to keep going that way because he can't defend Hamas in any way right now, obviously. The the problem with leveling it, I mean, I, again, you know, I, I don't have... And the reason they need to Hamas. level it is because of the tunnels. They they literally... Right. No, I, I, I hear you. Right. But like, there's... What are you going to do with the two and a half million people that are there? I mean, other than kill them all, Right. What are you going to do with them? They can't get out. You know, they're surrounded on one side by Israel, who do, who don't well, want they're them. Blocked by Egypt. On another side by Egypt. Egypt doesn't want them. And then there's the ocean. There, there's no way out. It, well, I, it, I, you know, America's, it's funny because it's almost like a Palestinian St. Louis. If they stuck them all on boats, would everybody turn them away? The Arabs would turn them away. I don't know if other countries would. I, I, I hope the United States would turn them away. I, I right. So who, a, you know, unfortunately, if you're a the European Union would probably take them. There's their pressure to take and pressure not to take. Sadly, if you were born in Gaza, you have a scarlet letter attached to you that you're a terrorist, whether you are or not. It's very sad for the innocent people. But again, it goes back to the same thing in Nazi Germany and, and Imperial Japan. What do you do? And sadly, the solutions aren't good. I, I don't think there's any, look here. This is an interesting article. Um, that was it, it's based on a a Danish study. Um, they they get they gave three hundred twenty one Palestinian asylum seekers extraordinary residence permits, and then they followed up in twenty nineteen these three hundred twenty one. Palestinians to see how they're doing. So this is like 26 years later of the 20 of the 321 who are given asylum, 270 are still in Denmark. So uh, uh, 50 to 51 either died or left or something. Of the 321, 204, which is 64%, have received a serious fine or jail time for a crime with 71 of them being given jail time. So it's not traffic fines. It's like, you know, real thing. And a very large proportion of them are receiving some kind of welfare, especially the early pension benefit given to people with severe physical or mental issues. That is, they're mentally handicapped. And, and as we've discussed before, that's because of the education system in Gaza, which is memorize the Koran and learn to hate Jews and Americans. Um, 
basically used for immigrants who are useless on the job market for whatever reason. And of their 999 children, 34 have been convicted for serious crimes and some large chunk are already on, on welfare. I, there's, there's nowhere to go. I mean, again, they, they, they would destroy any country or any city that takes them. I mean, they're they're absolutely un. But if if that's the case, if 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 you can extrapolate from that, if you're not if that's a representative sample, I don't know what you're. If, if that's what they are, then then why are we concerned about whether we level the whole country? Well, generally, murdering two point five million people is probably no 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 no. You can't. You can't. I'm not going to let you load it up by saying murder them. They're, they're allowing themselves to be used as shields. The terrorists are hiding behind them. They're putting they're putting their their munitions and other things in hospitals, in schools, in in uh, other well, service places. Yeah, they're not innocent people. That, exactly. We can't we can't assume that they're just good people who don't support this. Okay, anyway. I'm not assuming. Okay, but what I'm saying is that they're not. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's like assuming that. The, the the Muslim who doesn't commit jihad is just a, a good, you know, peaceful person too. That they don't applaud when the twin towers get knocked. But this down. goes beyond the, the 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 philosophy and the ideology of Islam. Ed is saying that these people were relocated to another yeah. country, and 70 percent of them were in jail for for violent crimes. Come on, I mean, if that's what these people are, then why? And, and they're and they're allowing themselves to be used as human shields. For, for terrorists, why exactly are we having any kind of qualms with leveling the whole goddamn country? So it's funny. I actually am not in favor of purposely killing 2 million people. Um, are there any good solutions? I don't know. Send them to Australia. I don't know what the good solution is. No, it's not against Australia. No, but it Helena. We send prisoners to Australia and they made it into a country sooner or later. How about St. Helena? Okay, but what do you do with a population that needs to be totally civilized from the start, but you don't want to kill? That's a big problem. And Hamas won't let them leave even if Egypt did open the door. It's extremely sad for those of them who aren't, you know, inclined towards evil, whether it's 5% or 95%, no way to know. But I guess there's two questions. What should Israel do? And assuming it's not really Americans' business, should America merely just stay out of it totally? Let Israel do what it does, let the Arab world and Iran do what it does? Should America do what it's doing, whatever exactly that is? Should America impose something? That's kind Whatever of- our government chooses to do will be wrong. So I, I, leave, <laughs> I leave that as- Well, good, as that's the- one way of- uh, <laughs> Excellent. Certain possibilities. Right. Let's 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 hope the government does nothing because I'm sure whatever they do will be wrong. Um, Mike, uh, if you if you knew they would listen to you, you're the president of the United States or the emperor of the United States. What would you do? Would you just pretend it doesn't exist? I I don't have an answer. I, I keep coming back to the fact that we're not dealing with the head of the snake. Which is Iran, and uh, until you do something about I- Iran, you're going to have the problem. 
Um, in the interim, I, I, I don't know. Okay, can, don't it, know be, can it be is, argued? Is Israel supposed to take over and occupy it? Can it be argued that Iran is only an enemy of the states because the states backs Israel? No, I don't think so. No, the Iran Did was. Did you an see enemy what happened on November fourth, nineteen seventy nine? No. Yeah, Ever since the Ayatollahs took over, they've they've declared the United States their enemy. That's um, I believe that a lot of that argument was because the United States backed Israel. No, no, no it's because, because we backed the Shah. The Shah. It's because we backed the Shah. Yes, we right. did back the Shah, but the reason to hate Israel was who kept Israel alive just six years before that. Israel would have gone down the tubes without the states. And the Arab world as a whole believes that Israel wouldn't exist without the United States, which even some Israelis, it's interesting watching Israelis argue over how badly do we need them. Some saying we don't need them at all, and some people saying we can't live without them. Stephen, I'm just saying. Well, I think it's fair to say it wouldn't exist Stephen, without us. Stephen, they hate us for the exact same reason the left hates us. Namely, that we're successful and we're infidels, that we're happy, that we have it. We've we've solved the meaning of life better than they have. Okay, that's why they hate us. Then that's why they ally with the left, and the left allies with them. They know that they're brothers in spirit. You don't think it's religious? Nobody's going to attack Iran, right? We're not going to start a war with Iran. It's just not on the table. Whether it's doable or not, I have no idea. But no one's going to do that. Well. Listen, we defeated the Soviet Union without firing a shot. I mean, we the problem, the problem we, we is that president. Biden is not the man to lead the U.S. into any major war with Iran or anybody else. So, but that, but that want, aside, can, if we if we had a president that wanted to do something about them, then you you right. a lot of if, other tactics to do it. If we had Trump in the White House right now, it would be a different story. Agreed, but we don't. And for the just as Ed said a little while ago. Whatever Biden chooses to do, it'll be the wrong thing because he's trying to do the wrong thing. His people leading him are trying to do the wrong thing. They're not trying to protect the United States or the United States interests. No, I think Biden is to a big extent protecting Iranian interests, unfortunately. I I don't know why um, Barack Obama decided that they should blow up the sort of nascent Arab-Israeli um, rapprochement by trying to uh, make friends with Iran and, and do the Iran deal. No, it's not the value tie? Uh, he, he had to... He couldn't use the State Department because everybody out in the State Department was against it. So he had to like hire his own people to go and negotiate that deal. Well, it's the only way he got it done uh, against the deep state's desires. So, well, let's not forget course, who Barack Obama is, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, he hates, no, I mean, America, hates America. America has always been the bad guy. Yeah, right? but I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean you go out and make friends with Iran. I mean, I, I, I think Trump tried to make friends with uh, North Korea, and it's not because he hates America either. And, I mean, he tried to engage them. He didn't capitulate to them. There's a difference between engaging another country and capitulating to them and, and you know, yeah. and uh, bending over. Yeah, I don't know. And Iran is very close to a bomb, right? Well, that's the big question, right? We don't know. We don't know. I mean, we can't trust our intelligence to know anything. 
<laughs> well, we can trust the Mossad. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think the Israelis would know even more than we do, but I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm so curious I, I, to watch the fallout from the Israeli intelligence failure, which you I, know, I think one of, one the, of the first thing takes responsibility. I'm not sure what that means, but the, that's quite the hit. first thing uh, uh, Churchill did, uh, you know, after being put in as prime minister after the fall of France or right at the fall of France was to form a, a national unity government with people from all parties so that the fighting of the war would not be partisan and it ended up not being partisan and, and the labor and Tory parties work together. And, and so the first thing Netanyahu did, the similar type of, of government was form a government and national unity, bringing in the, the leader of the opposition, Benny Gantz, into the government and um, trying to have a sort of single um, unified government to the extent anything in Israel can be unified it's sort of unified government to fight this now declared war against Hamas that said the absolute moment the war the war is over Netanyahu's government's going to fall uh, there there's I, I mean I, I must have read like 10 articles saying that he 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 is going to bear the brunt of the blame for these this massacre for you know not being part, on the ball. part of me says definitely and part of me says the israeli public is not going to put a leftist in in this time so who are they going to turn to and there is no alternative on the right they voted in uh they voted in clement atley after winston churchill in britain right after he won the war and they voted the voted in the the uh the I mean, socialist right after it, him. so it doesn't have my bet for that to happen and, you know, it's funny when they talk about these national unity governments, it hit me. When we entered World War II, did FDR turn over half the government to the Republicans? Did I miss something? Yes, he <laughs> did. No, that no, he did. What did he now, do? He, he, he brought in Republicans to be secretaries of X, Y and Z. About half the cabinet were Republicans uh, after Pearl Harbor. He He did that. Yes, he did. But. It wasn't quite the same as in the United Kingdom, where um, Clement Attlee was, uh, you know, the deputy prime minister, which is a, which was a position of real power. There was no Republican as like vice president or something like that in the United States. Everybody knew FDR was the commander in chief, but he did bring in Republicans in various um, positions in the cabinet for exactly that reason. Yeah, he did. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of FDR, but and that had, was a different had time. Had not done that, would that have weakened American stature in the world? No, I mean, but I think he wanted the he wanted the country unified to fight the war, and so he didn't want partisan bickering. So, if the Secretary of Commerce was a Republican and the Secretary of Interior was a Republican, whatever it was, you can look it up. Um, then uh, there is some notion that. This is not a Democrat war. It's a United States war. Only interesting because without having me known that, I always thought it wasn't a United States war. And I wouldn't need any of the other party to be in it. So There was a strong isolationist faction, the, the, the Taft faction, Taft Jr., you know, faction in the Republican Party leading up. Uh, to yeah, but war. not after Pearl Harbor. Um. Yes, I, I think the 
I, I think the Pearl Harbor, uh, you know, pretty much unified the country, but they, you know, there were people who are like, you know, this is a mistake. Uh, and and there are there are all sorts of criticisms about how FDR ran the war, right? We got attacked by Japan, so we immediately sent 80% of our um, effort towards Germany. So, uh, you know, there's all sorts of things and the way he, you know, I would say, you know, Mike, going back to what you said, if you were to cut the head of the snake, it would have to be done the other ways, the the, the Israeli way of assassinating people, the computer stuff, because I don't see a kinetic war with Iran. I just can't see that happening. Well, and we, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that green revolution where maybe, 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 but. Let's, let's assume they do have tabs on how close they are to getting the bomb. You're gonna let him have it. Who's gonna stop him? Biden? Who's the are you gonna let them have it? Who who are you saying? Us Biden the Israelis. If Biden could give them a bomb, he would. That's <laughs> what I think. And that's the problem. And listen, there's a lot well, of reason to believe America stopped Israel from doing damage to Iran when they leaked the Azerbaijan um airport stuff. I don't think America would let Israel do something, even if they could do something. Well, if they get, the, we know the the ramifications if they do. I, if they're I, I don't entrenched with nuclear weapons, right. then they're going to be there's there's going to be acts of terror left and right. I, I, again, I, I think the uh, Azerbaijan thing is very interesting because, like, right now, 120,000 Armenian Christians have been dislocated and are being ethnically cleansed from Nagorno-Karabakh and made to walk to Armenia, where you know, again, in a sort of replay of the Armenian genocide in Turkey in the late 1910s. Um, and nobody even knows about that. Why is I that? The re well, I, I think the reason is that the U.S. In, in a bizarre kind of, you know, diplomatic, it's, it's exactly why Washington said not, don't get involved in this. Um, but like the United States is kind of, and Israel are kind of allied to Azerbaijan and the Russians are allied to Armenia. And so we're using, the United States is using Azerbaijan as a way, as, a, as an annoyance to Russia. And the Israelis are using Azerbaijan as a possible launch point for attacks on Iran. And Armenia is you know you'd think Armenia, a Christian country, relatively Western in their outlook, they would be allied with the West. No, they're allied with Russia because they hate Azerbaijan, and it's it just none of it makes any none of it makes any sense other than a cynical use and ploy. And and the Azeris are a huge um, minority in that northern part of Iran, next to Azerbaijan, and Azerbaijan is like. Uh, stirring up trouble in Iran so that they can get like autonomy for the Azeris in Iran. And that's why they hate Iran. So they hate Iran. So we hate Iran. So we have to be uh, done with them. And because we're allied with Azerbaijan, because they annoy Russia and they annoy Iran, Azerbaijan thought, hey, there's not going to be any consequences for us to go and wow. invade Nagorno-Karabakh and kick out 120,000 Armenian Christians and make them walk to Armenia. And it, it's all a very cynical uh, way of doing things. And it, that's all it our it works and the world doesn't care, right? You, yeah. You remind me in a way like, you know, for sometimes 
the policies that we pursue and the things that we do as a country don't don't help don't help us and and what i mean is i i think back to when we had iraq and iran and that war in the 80s and it was a stalemate and they hated each other but in a way that worked to our interest to have these two countries that really we don't care for either one <laughs> up against each other because it neutralizes things and we help them both. you know That's the and instead now that there's no iraq there's no saddam Iran's influence has only grown. So we've done enormous damage dating back. You want to go back to the Gulf War, the first Gulf War, up until overthrowing Saddam, uh, you know, after 9-11 and everything. It hasn't helped our cause. Well, overthrowing sometimes Saddam it's just better disaster. to it's just better to have these situations that, you know, while they're not ideal. And they may still work in our interests. And we're just, we're stupid. I mean, we talk about a lot about the stupid things that, we, that we've done as a country over the years, you know, the logic, diplomatically or whatever. The logic of our country seems to be, I don't know why the background got turned off. The logic of our country seems to be, um, this is a problem. We have to do something. Oh, look, this is something. Therefore, we have to do this. That's the logic whatever this is. And sometimes like with Hamas, and I'm glad the Israelis are kind of holding back a little bit and thinking about this because they, you know, 100,000 dead Israeli soldiers, sort of, you know, the Soviet Berlin example, uh, would probably not be a good idea. And I, I'm glad they're kind of holding off and like, maybe there's a, a smarter way to do this uh, because maybe there is a smarter way to do this. And I, without like throwing you know, 350,000 Israeli soldiers into a, a urban meat grinder where half the half the Gaza is now bulldozed, you know, is rubble due to the airstrikes. I mean, can, can you imagine there, you can't get tanks, you can't get trucks. It's all guys walking. It would be a disaster. I, I don't even know how you would even think. I don't know how the Soviets did it in Berlin. Uh, I, it's just, I, I can't imagine a worse environment to fight an infantry battle than in uh, Gaza. And so I'm kind of glad they're they're like saying, okay, let's let's figure this out before we go. But is is know. there a way? And again, it's bothering me now. Why is it that if Israel supposedly bombs a hospital and supposedly kills 500 people, or wants to displace a whole bunch of people, it's a front page news? And Armenians, is that anywhere in the New York Times? The Armenians don't uh -huh. have as good of a press publicist. <laughs> Yeah. Well, clearly the whole Israeli-Palestinian thing is going to draw more attention. Why? History. It's the history of it. And there's no history. There's a lot of hot spots around the world that. I mean, there are. Right? They don't. You know, when I hear Russia condemning Israel as Russia's butchering people in Ukraine and China condemning Israel, there's something really wild. But it's also what the media cares about. What's what's going to bring in ratings? Nobody's going to care about right. it. So why, why does Hamas bring in better ratings than Azerbaijan and Armenia? It it just does. Again, you have a long history there. You've had obviously a really significant terrorist attack that was above and beyond anything I think we've seen there. 
Um, so that plays into it as well. Or is it oil? But you know, I mean, what? Why did? Do, why does the 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 murder of one particular person here in our country get headlines and others not? Right. I mean, you don't care about Chicago. Why does George Floyd get attention and not some other situation? I mean, these things go on every day. So th- some things just latch on. But I mean, obviously, still the the Palestinian and Israeli thing is a different animal. Well, I don't think that comes from a good place, but so I don't know. I don't think there is any solution to the problem. I don't see Israel having any good no. way out. And I don't see, and by the way, even if you destroy Hamas, they just come back tomorrow in a different name. So I don't, I'm not sure where they go with that anyway. Well, the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas is a militant arm military wing of the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood is a Sunni organization that's based in Egypt. And it was started in the 1920s because uh, Ataturk uh, abolished the caliphate when he took over and and secularized Turkey. The caliph was essentially the leader of of, uh, Sunni Islam. And the Muslim Brotherhood was was formed as as an Egyptian organization to try to restore the caliphate and get rid of, you know, sort of the secular government of Turkey. And, you know, Erdogan has pretty much gone all, almost all the way to declaring himself a caliph, uh, you know, right now. Um, But the Muslim Brotherhood is still extremely powerful and controls a large number of these Islamic groups throughout the West, including, uh, you know, the Muslim Students Association, the uh, Center for is- American Islamic Relations Care, and a whole bunch of things are uh, groups in the United States are controlled by the Muslim Brotherhood. And uh, so they are a big, big deal. And I think that it, it, I think there's no, you know, Hamas is the Muslim Brotherhood with guns in, in you know, in Gaza. And if you killed every single person who claims to be Hamas in in Gaza, it would not stop the Muslim Brotherhood because they have they are a huge organization. Like I said, they have tentacles all across the West, including the United States. And they're not going to like they'll easily find more guys who they can give a case to. So it, it's it you know, goes back to this the head of the snake and what is the head of the snake. Right. And and they're funded by Iran. Very you know, Iran hates their guts. Of, I mean, that's the funny. Iran thing. hates their guts. I mean, everybody hates their guts. You know, uh, 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 the, the Hamas is, you know, again, everybody hates them, but they'll give them money. It, 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 just as we cynically support the Azeris in their, you know, ethnically cleansing of Armenia, uh, Iran supports Hamas because even though they hate them, uh, even though they're Sunni and Iran is Shia, and even though, um, you know, they, uh, the, the Muslim Brotherhood, their parent organization is really a, um, a parallel Islamist organ. Like there's three big Islamist kind of um, thrusts, right? There's the Shiites, which are controlled by the Mullahs in Iran. There's the Wahhabis, which is controlled by the government of Saudi Arabia. And there's the Muslim Brotherhood, which is based out of Egypt. Um, those are the three big, uh, you know, Islamic extremist 
organizations uh, in the world and they, they all hate each other. And, uh, um, but they get along to beat up well, that on be Israel or in the United States. All right, I guess we should move on to the other war, and that would be the intra-Republican Party war over the speaker. Who's following it the closest? Well, I saw the vote. The second vote happened. Uh, he got one, uh, Jordan got 199. A bunch of people uh, voted individually. For one, one clown voted for John Boehner. I mean, it's <laughs> like anybody who votes for John Boehner should be tossed out. Uh, um and uh, the Democrats were united about Hakeem Jeffries. So 199. So that means there's he's uh, 18 votes short. I heard he lost a vote from the first round. Yeah, he lost the first round and he lost the second round. He that lost more in the second off. round, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. There is, um, you know, I, I think there's no real alternative to Jordan. But, you know, these rhinos, they aren't going to let him. Is have it the rhinos that are sinking him because he's not a rhino? Yeah. There is uh, a notion. Now, this I read today, um, early this morning, that um, that a few of the Republicans are thinking about partnering with Hakeem Jeffries and the Democrats to appoint a squish Republican as the Speaker of the House. Um, this was this was from Nick Freitas's um, podcast, and the idea is, and it's been done before in these situations where you have a very closely divided chamber and uh, majority can't decide. You get a couple of people who defect to the, in this case, to the Dems, and say basically, appoint me. You agree to appoint me, and I will do X, Y, and Z for you. Um, and uh, I won't let the radical MAGA Republicans run over and blah, blah, blah. You get the idea. And That's and how the Texas House of Representatives works, if you're familiar yeah, that's with Texas. How, that's right. That's right. And and again, Nick Freitas was talking about Virginia. So at one point wow. in the past did this too. So, Well, they yeah. could have just kept McCarthy if they wanted that. Well, they... <laughs> the Democrats, you know, there's an old saying, um, when when your opponents are making a mistake, don't interrupt them. And I think that was when kicking out, I don't know whether kicking out McCarthy was a mistake or not. I tend right. to think McCarthy had to go. But um, I think from the Democrats' point of view, it's like, nah, let the Republicans screw around, especially since we have this 45 days to go, which is now probably like 30 days to go before um we run out of uh, government funding and uh, the Republicans are in chaos. This is great. We'll blame when the government shuts down. That'll give us even more um, ammunition to blame the Republicans. So I, I don't know quite what you do in this situation. If I, again, I, I know if, if you're a go along to get along kind of guy, which most Republicans are, they voted for Jordan. But, you know, there's some people who are holding out for I don't know who. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Those who are against Jordan, what do they want? Anybody but Jordan. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, it's going to be hard to get anybody who's arguably conservative, right, to be the, the speaker. Right. Well, if they're right, holding it back, then yeah. Why? Why? Why is that? I mean, McCarthy was because just the party's not conservative. The party's well, not conservative. Think- 
Because the party's not conservative. Right. I mean, listen, every Republican should be a member of the Freedom Caucus. How are they not a member of the Freedom Caucus? The, the Republican yeah. Party should I be. I think the, the better party. question right now it's is <laughs> why why isn't Matt Gates making that exact point? Why did he suddenly shut up and go away? He yeah. should be making that point, point. Yeah. every single day that this is. But he'd have more credibility, huh? It would. He'd have more credibility if he did, so for sure. Because right now it 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 adds fuel to the thought that. This was a personal thing. You just didn't like McCarthy. So you wanted to stick it to him. It just boggles my mind that he suddenly went radio silent. I mean, this is the time to make that case. I mean, it's like it's like he threw the first punch and was shocked that he connected. Right. And I knocked mean, the yeah. guy out. Right. Knocked <laughs> him out. But he doesn't want to continue the fight. Why? I think that, sure, that generally doesn't. speaking, you don't publicly debate this, right? It's all in private. I think that's the custom. I think custom is out the window right now. Mm. I mean, do you guys, is this going to be like McCarthy won on the 15th ballot? So will Jordan, and what doesn't Jordan have to keep promising stuff he doesn't want to do to get those extra few votes? Yeah, I know what you do. You, you, I don't know whether um, I don't know what they're asking. You know, I mean, there's some things that they could ask that you absolutely cannot give in for. I mean, it's funny. This almost becomes like Israeli coalition building to get those last few seats. You got to promise stuff and screw your base. And I think that's what happens if Jordan has to promise stuff to the left. Mm-hmm. Then you know, what's he doing anyway? Forget the left. Well, the left. I'm talking about the left within, within the, his party. party. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Well, I mean, he he could overtly come out and say, "Listen, uh, this is what it took for me to become speaker. This is the situation. Uh, I can do X, Y, Z, but I can't do this, that, and the other thing because that was the deal." Just come out and say it. <laughs> so, where do you guys see this ending? I don't see it ending. Well, Unless the Democrats can get six Republicans to uh, uh, to do do a deal with them, and then you know, put like the guy who's the interim speaker, the, the McHenry is his name. McHenry, my old representative in North Carolina, who's almost the definition of a squish with a bow tie. Yeah, he's never had a real job in his life. He went from the young Republicans to a lobbying group to um, he got he got friendly with Rove and the lobbying group. And then Rove um, uh, secured this really safe seat for him in North Carolina. So it's it's I've met him in person job. many times. I've met his staff in person. Squish, squish, squish. But so, so I mean, can he stay indefinitely? Yeah, that's what interim means. Right. So indefinitely. Or until, you know, yeah. the next house. So, but I don't think the they, house can do any business until they right. come up with a new exactly. speaker. OK, so yeah. in that sense, he can. Something's got to give. Well, he can. It's just that the only business the house can do is try and elect a new speaker. 
Right. So they're paralyzed. So this, this is really not good for Republicans, right? Is there any bright side at all? Of course. The Republicans do a lot more harm than good. Paralyzed is good for them. But like I, I, I do think, you know, like Voltaire said, uh, you know, occasionally you have to hang a general for encourager les autres. And I, I think that's kind of good for uh, that they got rid of Kevin McCarthy. I, I, I didn't think they would come back and vote no on Scalise. I thought they would probably just promote him because that's the Republican way of doing things. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think they've gotten themselves into, um, you know, they've wasted more than two weeks now stuff got has to get done if they're going to pass a budget if they or pass a spending bill if they don't pass a spending bill then you know it's typical republicans will lose um national parks will be closed all the things that waste money like the fbi and you know the atf and the cia they'll all stay open but the national parks will close it's, uh, it's a disaster so i take it the republicans who are blocking jordan are from districts where they can't be pressured Everybody can be pressured, but um, no. If you're in a very safe Republican district, or you don't have a strong primary opinion, or whatever, well, you're pretty safe. I don't have that article uh, pulled up right now that showed them all, but um, but I would imagine because it's really it's a handful of people paralyzing the country, right? I don't think many people miss the House of Representatives getting to business. Well, only because if there isn't some kind of spending bill, we go back to that same problem, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I'll just go again, back to what I said Republicans before. always get blamed. This is the time for for Gates and, and others. Now, I don't mean to just single him out. It's just he was the leader of this mutiny. The whole Freedom Caucus should be speaking up and saying the Republican Party needs to stand for something. And here's what we think it should stand for. Why are they silent? I mean, this is it's just ridiculous that they're silent. This is the time to make your case. I get it that you usually do it in private. It's not private anymore. Every it's all public and the spectacle is public. Somebody needs to step forth and be a leader. Jim Jordan should be a leader. He should stand up and say, here are the three or four or 10 things I want to do as speaker. What does my Republican caucus members have? have a, a, what objections do they have to these uh, ideas? And if they have objections, let's talk about them. I mean, that's what a leader would do, but there's no leadership. There's nothing. It's just leadership for the sake of leadership. They, Jordan seems to only want to be speaker so that he can get a bigger salary and, and bigger you know, control of more money. What do you want to do as speaker? How about telling everybody and putting putting the other side on the defensive and saying, what do you object to? Do you object to reducing spending? Do you object to cutting the, the fight, the, the, the funding to Ukraine? Do you what what is it that you know, what does he want to do? What you know, what what I you know, what does he want to put on the agenda? That's what the Speaker of the House does. The Speaker of the House sets the agenda. What's your agenda, Jim Jordan? Why don't you tell everybody? And, and I'm saying this as a guy who thinks that Jordan is probably the best we can expect in, 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 in the House for Speaker. So I'm, I don't mean to be critical of him, but he's, he's making it 
not just easy. I mean, if you don't criticize him, you're part of the problem. He needs to be a leader. He wants to be a leader. Okay, step up. Tell us what you want to do. Why should you be our leader? I think you can make a good case, but he's really just making the case that deep down he's a squish, which is why I think that, I mean, I've never been a huge Jim Jordan fan. I think he talks a lot and doesn't do a lot, but you know, this is your chance, man. Step up. We're waiting on you. Okay, so we're waiting for a leader to rally the troops behind the cause and nobody's doing it. Biden wants $100 billion for Ukraine and Israel. That's his new ask. Mm -hmm. And he, um, you know, after $130 billion have already gone, uh, gone a laundering in Ukraine already, he wants another $100 billion hoping that the fact that part of it's for Israel will make it impossible for any of the Congress to vote against it. I hate to ask this really um, dumb question, but does Congress ever say we don't have it? <laughs> I mean, it's like the dumb question, but. I don't know why this war is uh, in between Israel and the Palestinians is ours to start, stop, fund, defund. Well, that's the question I asked 10 minutes ago. Should I mean, we fund both sides, right? Somebody said the EU is sending another couple hundred million dollars of aid to Gaza. Are they insane? I mean, it all gets laundered through the, the Hamas. You know, I have to tell you, I think Israel's biggest PR coup, or one of the major ones, was the video of them digging up water pipes to make rockets. I think that's devastating. And it just shows that everything they get, they use for bad things. Um, but seriously, where does, bottom line, when you go to Congress and say, we're 33 trillion in debt, we need 100 billion. How do they get that number on the screen? Do they call up China and say, hi, we need another 100 billion. How do you do that? How do you physically get that money? You borrow it from, you know, put it on the ledger. Either, <laughs> either the American people, foreign people, or the Federal Reserve. Okay, but what does that mean? You borrow it. It's not like you're calling us up and saying, "Can we borrow money?" Yeah, right? that's exactly what you do. No, that's exactly what happens. The Treasury goes to the primary broker dealers and says, "We want to issue a hundred billion dollars more in bonds," and they do this anyway. And then the primary broker dealers who take a cut. Um, create the bonds, and then they put them out on the market. Uh, and that's and- not the same as me calling you up and asking to borrow ten bucks. So that's what I'm saying. They issue bonds, and issue bonds, right? And they go on the market, issue. and then people buy them. Whether it's pension funds or money market funds, are all government bonds. Whether it's foreign uh, countries who need. You know, there's supposed to be a euro dollar shortage right now. That's a whole nother discussion. And they buy it up. And if any don't get bought, maybe the Fed buys some and increases their balance sheet. Well, that's the thing. Um, the Fed has to buy them because why would anybody else really want to buy it? <laughs> again, I, I don't begin to understand this, but apparently the, the euro dollar system is very, very uh, short of dollars these days of collateral. Um, and so uh, the, the thinking is that that's why these enormous ridiculous deficits are um are su- supportable with only you know modest five to ten percent inflation 
I mean, if you increase the uh, money supply by a factor of three and you're only getting 10% inflation, something going on behind the scenes, right? Um, that, that makes that, that makes that possible. So theoretically, since the Fed can buy bonds, there's no end to it. Yeah, and, and until you get a, a dollar currency crisis and, and, and hyperinflation like in 1923 in the Weimar Republic. Yes, there's no end to it. Until but does that have to happen if you're the reserve currency? I don't know. The mark was pretty good, although they did lose the war. Uh, I, yeah. I, does it have to happen? Do we have to have a currency crisis? Uh, I, I think the answer is no. I think we'll get high inflation first, and then you know the Fed will raise interest rates. I mean, if you looked at the mortgage rates now, you can't borrow money for like seven and a half percent. I heard it finally for the first time since two thousand. Because Apparently, the and I go uh, back to that line, 100 billion here, 100 billion there, as soon as you're talking about real estate. I mean, there's all sorts of things, right? The commercial real estate market is devastated because of COVID. Absolutely devastated because everybody went to work at home and then they didn't want to come back to the office. So all of these offices that have, you know, 100 offices, they only need 20 now. Um, so the commercial real estate, as soon as those leases start, you know, falling over, and that you know they will starting this year and then next year and and they won't be renewed. There's a commercial real estate with seven and a half percent interest rate. I can't imagine why anybody would want to buy a house. Um, so the residential real estate market has got to fall over, uh, which means all of these uh, what's it called um, mortgage-backed securities that were so instrumental in destroying the financial world in 2008. They're they're you know the the bottom level tranches of them are going to die, and you know you could see a you could see a real serious financial crisis again next year, and the Chinese real estate market is collapsing, literally collapsing as they're blowing up whole cities filled with buildings that nobody wants. And Em, I know that's your thing, right? Yep. And Evergrande was just a harbinger or something. I think it's the tip of the iceberg or the tip of the spear. What's going to happen? I think China is facing a huge economic problem. I don't think getting out of the dollar is going to help them. I think that the, the more that they push this alternative BRICS currency, the greater the dollar shortage is going to be in China. And not just in China, but in the countries that make up the BRICS contingent and it's going to lead to desperate financial conditions in all of those countries uh how they respond is is something i can't predict uh typically countries that face those kinds of financial uh catastrophes either start wars or become subject to civil wars which That's, is unlikely in china well they could invade taiwan no the second option is unlikely I mean, we don't First know. Option. We don't know how bad. We don't know how bad it's going to be. But the, their their financial asset bubble is gigantic compared to ours, and ours is pretty big. Theirs is gigantic compared to ours. Um, but I. But it does raise the possibility of invading Taiwan somewhat, which you think there's enough pressure for that anyway. Like, why aren't they doing it today? 
Well, they don't have the troops position. So, I mean, that's why they don't, they're not doing it today. But why don't they? Like, what? this is the best time in the world, you would think, with the world got already two wars and no money and no arms, et cetera, et cetera. This is a pretty good time. Indeed. Uh, I, you know, again, it takes a and while. I, I to, hope they're uh, not listening to our show because I don't Maybe they don't think they can succeed. I, they could. <laughs> it, it, that kind of thing can also, it could, it could end up being a quagmire that you don't expect. Why? They don't mind just destroying it, do they? Uh, no, they want to capture it. They don't want to kill everybody. So it's, it, you know, again, it took, Stalin wanted, like, you know, them to invade Europe in 42 and like, no way, there's no way we can. And then he was really insistent that they do it in 43. And it was like, yeah, we can. And so finally, you know, it took two years to get their act together and to do it in 44. So it, it's, it takes a long time to do. And that was over 20 miles. Imagine what it would be over a hundred miles in, in a very contested strait. It's, it's a, it's a serious military undertaking. And China isn't that competent. You know, I mean, everybody thinks China is this great, you know, power, but they're, they're not that competent. Militarily? Yeah, they haven't won a war in 2000 years. I, I don't know. It's been a long time oh. since they've won a war. So, All right, Adam, I want you to adjust your at one or two favorite subject, the gag order. What's to address? I mean, I've been saying on this show for months, it's unconstitutional. It's a violation of the First Amendment. I think it's a violation of the First Amendment when it's applied to just an ordinary defendant. It's particularly egregious when a presidential candidate is being gagged from speaking about the case, even while he's campaigning. And too, too darn bad that the, 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 the criminal defendant in the case is criticizing the judge and criticizing the prosecution and criticizing all sorts of other government employees. He did not lose his First Amendment right to criticize government employees when he became a candidate or when he became president. This is so outrageous. And, and the only thing that's more outrageous or, or maybe equally outrageous to me is that Trump seems to be more interested in fundraising off of it than he is in just filing an emergency appeal and, and dealing with the issue. Now, I, I mean, thought I saw a headline that he was appealing it. But where, why not have an emergency appeal? Why isn't it ready to go? I mean, does he not have enough money to pay his lawyers to have it ready? to go within an hour of the judge issuing the order. I mean, this is not rocket science. He knew it was coming and he's appealing. I mean, an appeal, a regular appeal could take months, months. So yeah, it just drives me crazy that he's not, he, he, he wants to be seen as fighting without actually fighting. Yeah, but he, there's no reason he'd want to be shut down. So he's either going to violate it. I know there's headlines out there. I don't I'm raising off of it. I'm not going to follow it. I don't care if I go to jail. Which Again, I, that's just talk. I think he's that's raising off of it. That's, huh? And yeah, I think that's just bravado. Um, remember before he was saying, I'm not afraid of going to jail, which I do not believe. Whether or not they'd ever put him in jail is another question. What When you file an emergency appeal, 
What does that mean? Does that mean somebody has to look at it quickly? And what criteria do you need to fill to make them look at it quickly? Um, I mean, you can't make an appellate court do anything, but as a general proposition, if you file an emergency appeal, they will look at it within a day or two. Just by calling an emergency an appeal. Like, well, no, you have to. I mean, there are things there are things you have to do. Yes. I mean, I I haven't done one or I mean, I've done lots of appeals, but I I can't remember if I've done an emergency appeal or not. Um, I I might have. I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I mean, you have to set down why it's an emergency, right? Right. And the emergency is his he's being he's being deprived of constitutional right to speak. Censorship used to be a real problem in this country. Muzzling speech used to be a real problem in this country. And if he wants to restore America, he should make that case. I mean, there are plenty of cases from the Pentagon Papers to um, the Pentagon Papers case. New York Times versus Sullivan talks about it. Near versus Minnesota, which goes back to 1930 or 31, where they again tried to do restraints on the press, publishing things. This is... This is there's a lot of case law that it would support him. And if he loses, he loses. But at least go down fighting. Now, are we arguing are we arguing that he should have the right to say, come after me, I'm coming after you. And that's not jury intimidation. How there is no jury. There's no jury. How is that jury intimidation? Exactly. (laughs) Well, there's never going to be a jury. I mean, look polluting at the potential the... jury pool. What exactly is the threat? <laughs> is he threatening to kill them? No. I'm asking you, if I say I'm coming after you and I have power, isn't that by definition a threat? You know what? Power does he charge have? him with voter intim- with jury, jury intimidation. So that's you a separate gag thing, him. in other words. Huh? Okay, so not just, that's a separate bucket. To me... To me, and and I don't think, I mean, to me, that's just not a clear enough threat to warrant uh, uh, muzzling him. Now, if he said, anybody who votes to convict me is going to be a dead man, okay, that would be a little bit more direct threat. But if you come after me, I'm going to come after you. What does that mean? I'm going to write mean tweets on, on, on Truth Social? I mean... It's got to be a more a more concrete threat than I'm going to come after you. Um, that's an interesting debate, I guess, on its own. I don't know what the laws are, but if somebody feels oh. intimidated as a juror, is that enough? I We're talking about that. speech. We presume that speech is okay. There's a, that, for a direct burden that has to be met before you can muzzle somebody from speaking. Right. I mean, it's not a 50-50 thing. I mean, listen, I, I, I'm I, pretty much an absolutist on free speech. I'm just trying to figure out, do they have anything? Now, is this because his lawyers are dumb? Is it because they're not getting paid? Or is it because he's dumb? Or all I think of none of the above. I think he's fundraising off of it. He wants to be a victim because he thinks he can make money off of it. That's what I think. Okay, but tomorrow, does he talk against the, the prosecutor or not? Every indication I've gotten from Trump is that he will 
make a lot of noise until he's actually threatened with harm, and then he'll shut his mouth. You, you're figuring well, he's going to back down, and he's dumb if he doesn't realize he could make money off of it and fight it. You could do both. <laughs> you know I mean? Well, you could make money on off of it and do an appeal. Yes. Um, but if he just blatantly violates it. Now, a new this is the Washington judge that's doing this. Yeah. So if he violates that rule in another jurisdiction, do they have any authority over him at all unless he comes back to their jurisdiction? Well, he has he's he's subject to the jurisdiction of the court for purposes of the trial. Right. But in other words, if he goes to Florida and says whatever he wants and never goes back to D.C., there's nothing they can do. Right. Or can they? I, I They'll hold him in yeah. contempt. The, the judge will hold him in contempt and issue a, an arrest warrant. And then the D.C. police will go to the Florida police to execute require really an extradition. Right. It'll be the same thing as. When Bragg wanted to extradite him to New York. Well, I, I mean, he's a good friend of DeSantis, so I'm sure DeSantis would be <laughs> up for him. So, <laughs> I hate to go back to Israel, but Trump bashing Netanyahu over that Iranian assassination is so, to me, childish and petty that I, I can't even fathom why he does this. What, what Iranian assassination is this? Tell me he's, about that. He's out there for the last week or two yelling that Netanyahu is really not such a good guy because he didn't, he refused to join us in killing, what's his name, Soleimani or something. He, ah. he would, but then he backed out. So he's a horrible person. I'm like, what? What is wrong with, like, <laughs> to me, it's not like yeah. second grade stuff. Trump mystifies me, although I read an article this morning that said um, big donors are abandoning the other candidates. They're basically saying it's it's done. It's over. I'm not wasting any more money on Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or even. Yeah, I heard they DeSantis. pulled away from Scott. And they, the needed to wait, they needed to wait until now to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think some of them may have legitimately been waiting to see if anything takes Trump down. I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. Is he really I, Teflon that nothing will take him down? I I don't know. I tend to believe that um, that I he was vulnerable if people um, ran a good campaign and nobody did. What to say? So, yeah, so it's probably over anyway, huh? I think it's over. Well, we'll see when the voting starts. Yeah, I, I know there's going to be another starts. also ran debate one of these days. Yeah, that's going to be on what? On uh, NBC or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, not even a pretend network. I, I put this article up in the show notes, White House finds that Trump's plan to bar immigrants who support Hamas from entering the U.S., that is revolting and dangerous. Again, alternate reality. All I want to do is bar people who support terrorists who don't belong here anyway, and that's revolting. It's almost like Biden has him where he wants him and then 
pushes further left. Well, I, I'm, on another note, similar note anyway, it, uh, apparently Heritage reported that there were Iranians who were on the terrorist list caught crossing the border. Yeah, I heard something like that. So, I mean, you know, with, with that continuing to go on, I sit here and I just, um, it's like you're waiting for the day that, that something just happens. Which some people think will. The, yeah, well, if the enemy is among us, it's just a matter of time, isn't it? <laughs> I, I would think. I mean, in a way, it's surprising nothing has happened yet. It really is. Yes. Because, you know, the day of rage, I don't know if that affected you last Friday where you guys are. I mean, my place was cops every couple hours knocking on our door to make sure we're okay. Are you kidding? No, I am not kidding. There um, were policemen knocking on your door saying, are you okay? In the synagogue. Wow. Oh, you you were in the synagogue because of... Well, I'm always here. So, I mean, we had two pairs come in one day within a couple hours, and they've come pretty much every day. So oh, wow. New, York, New York Police Department has taken it very seriously. So that's pretty interesting. And I know they're still taking it all seriously. But outside of New York, I have no idea. I mean, I didn't go out last Friday, but I did hear that there were some murders in Europe. Now, unfortunately, there was a guy, which state was it, where a guy killed a little Muslim kid? Didn't hear that. You didn't hear that? Nobody heard that? It's not in my notes? Some yo-yo just killed a Muslim kid and I think one parent. And that's not going to uh, redound very well either. Somebody Google it real fast. What would possess somebody to do that? Um, and he and apparently was pretty upfront about why he did it. Yeah, conservative radio allegedly fueled attack on Palestinian uh, American boy, Daily Beast, but it was behind a paywall, the whole story. But I had seen the story before as well. Oh, yeah, it's behind a paywall. But the, the story itself wasn't behind a paywall. I just don't remember where I saw it. And you only need one of those to change the whole... Um, uh, I want to show a picture of the guy who did it. He looks like somebody in one of those uh, Walmart YouTubes. Walmart YouTube? You've never seen the Walmart YouTubes making fun of Walmart shoppers? <laughs> hey, Pete, you're laughing. You've seen them, right? No, no, but I can imagine. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Like Why you haven't yes. seen them either? No, no they no, show I, a bitch, bunch of big fat slobs with their jeans falling I, off. I mean, my YouTube that's very politically incorrect to say fat slobs. I'm sorry. Well, they portray them as that. And skinny, I was talking about a challenge. I, I was in a Walmart because I wasn't <laughs> in the communist city of New York City. I was in a place where Walmart is legal. And I happen to enjoy Walmart, but somebody made a comment about boy, we could be in one of those videos. Now, nobody in that Walmart looked like a, Walmart videos. Walmart people are deplorables, you know. Yeah. Great unwashed. So, all right. So nobody's finding that story, but somebody did kill a Muslim, apparently. In I, I did. I did. A uh, 71-year-old white man. Weird how they have the race right up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, accused of fatally stabbing a Palestinian mother and boy in a Chicago suburb over the God. weekend. Mm. He had become paranoid listening to conservative radio segments about the war between Israel and Hamas. So the next time somebody 
takes aim at a, at a Jewish person. Rashad Talib obviously is responsible for that. Well, wasn't Rush Limbaugh the reason why the Oklahoma thing was bombed? Absolutely. Prosecutors oh, yeah. reportedly said that uh, Ksuba had texted the victim, Shaheen, on Wednesday and demanded that she move out of the home she was renting from him. Ah, she was his tenant. Yeah. Okay. He was enraged by a situation in Israel. Shaheen tried to plead with Zuba, prosecutors said, but it was to no avail. Just seconds after she said, let's pray for peace, prosecutors claimed she was chased into her home and stabbed repeatedly. Well, that's awful. Does it have the picture of him there in that story? Yes, he does look like a Walmart shopper. I can, I can, <laughs> I can share my... He's almost a caricature. I can share my screen. Yeah, share uh, your screen for a second, just so I'm not laughing at myself. Yeah. Yeah, there, there he is. Oh, impressive. That's he, a Walmart shopper. He is not a, uh, not a well man, but... I'm not sure what the repercussions of this will be, but I'm assuming the press really loves this one. Well, I, I think the repercussions are he's going to get the death penalty. <laughs> the reper well, I guess they don't have that in uh, Illinois. Okay. Well, so. I don't want to be disrespectful, but that may improve his appearance. <laughs> but I don't. I think they're going to play it up. You know, the poor Muslims, just like after 9-11, we have to protect the poor Muslims who are being killed all over the country. You know, the horrible... Well, that, this is, in fact, the first real story of a uh, of sort of a uh, anti-muslim murder yeah. that i've heard about in forever forever yeah that's why it's interesting um i haven't seen anybody debunk it yet so yeah it may be a big story all right clean up what didn't we talk about mike Oh, you want me to play music? No, I didn't have anything on the, uh, on the agenda right now. So <laughs> I was going to now it's telling my, my connection. All right, well, I, there is one. But I'll pass the baton. I have. If, if you let me indulge me for just a minute. Um, it is your birthday. So go ahead. It is my birthday. Yes. So, oh, we did narrow that down. Okay. Yes. So uh, a New Orleans district attorney, Jason Williams, who was elected due to uh, George Soros. Of money he had his campaign was to um, find alternatives to incarceration and to bring reform what he to what he called an ineffective and unfair money bail system so it's it's typical Soros DA they don't want to put people in jail um, and uh, this president and this current DA may try to um, meaning Trump deprived of deflect from the true issues of racism in this nation and our legal system by instead choosing to villainize Americans arguing that black lives must matter too, but we must root out all vestiges of white supremacy in our systems and institutions. The culture of the New Orleans Parish DA's office must change so we can achieve real justice for victims and others caught up in the criminal justice system. Um, well, he and his 78-year-old mother were accosted by two criminals on Monday with one pointing a gun at them as they tried to get into Williams's car. After stealing his car, the New Orleans Police Department confirmed that the suspects abandoned it in an undisclosed location and proceeded to carjack another victim, a young woman in the same area, roughly 30 minutes later. So uh, if, you know, if there is good news, it's that some of these, this is the second 
person. I think uh, Henry Cuellar, Democratic congressman, got uh, carjacked in Washington, D.C. the other day. And here a uh, soft on crime Soros DA in New Orleans got carjacked. Him and his mother got carjacked uh, in New Orleans. And uh, hopefully this will uh, explain to them in the most vivid terms possible that soft on crime uh, does not uh, lead to a better city. Unfortunately, he's not alive to uh, change his views. Oh, he just got carjacked. Uh, he didn't get Oh, murdered. but the other guy was killed, right? No. The first guy. No, no, he was just carjacked too. But I thought the Louisiana guy was killed. No, I don't think so. Yeah. He um uh, just got carjacked. Okay, so maybe he'll uh, join our team. Maybe he will. Mike, invite him on next week's show. Adam? I think we covered all the bases. Uh, maybe we could have said a little more about the the sitting in Congress by the pro-Palestinian people and how it's absolutely no different than the alleged insurrection on January 6th. Um, we joked about it earlier, but to me, it's a very serious matter. Um, I think that, I don't think it's an insurrection, candidly, but if we're going to keep these January 6th people in jail, and if we're going to, uh, we're going to have the, the prosecution appeal uh the uh, the Proud Boys' 22-year uh, prison sentence as being insufficient. These people need to be arrested and charged with insurrection or 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 held. That's the whole thing. The the January 6th people aren't even being held on insurrection charges, but they're being treated as insurrectionists. It, the 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 disproportionate. Um, no no no. Jefferson Davis spent two uh, weeks in prison before he was moved to house arrest. So they are absolutely not being treated like insurrectionists because insurrectionists get two weeks in prison and then house arrest. What's going on, what's going on is, is just so ridiculous and so uh, such an abomination when it comes to these January 6th political prisoners. And um, it bothers me that Trump doesn't make a bit more of an issue of it. It bothers me that uh, other than Vivek, none of the Republican candidates for president has made any issue of it. Uh, to me, it's a really huge issue. Um, no, it doesn't change my life too much, but uh, you know, I, to me, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I. Uh, I. I was very close to to being part of the protests on January sixth. Um, I could have been there; my life would have been ruined. I mean, who knows what how how things would have been different? And uh, there was, you know, I, there was no. There's just no excuse for for what's being done to those people, and for for the for the pro-Palestinian people, these pro-Democrat people, to occupy a portion of the Capitol building and not suffer any consequences. Just it really pisses me off, and I just want to sure. And and you're right, you're pissed that no one's making a big deal out of it. I know you're not a criminal attorney, but. You know, I used to hear about a lot in Israel, the prosecution constantly appealing sentences. I don't recall hearing about that so much in America. How common is that? I'm not a criminal attorney. I don't know how common it is. My guess is it's not very common at all. Because it really uh, stuck out when I saw it here and it just reminded me of Israel. And I used to wonder in Israel, they do it all the time. And I was like, boy, that's disgusting. So especially because it's also politically used. 
but I thought it was pretty wild. And if 22 years is too little, but <laughs> yeah. Well, gentlemen, I have cake to get to. So I'm going right, to- Ed, hold, hold on two seconds till we sign off, okay? All right. I got to tell you something anyway. So with that, we will close off once more with happy birthday wishes to Ed P. Please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com and have a wonderful week.